Hello, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Parent Cafe podcast. My name is Allie. And I'm Sarah. And we are joined today by... Hi everyone, it's Anna Vanderhaeg. I'm an occupational therapist and most people know me as just Miss Anna or Anna V O T. So Anna V O T is back. Yay. Back in action. Today we're Watch out. Another another me talking. Anna saga begins. It is oh. a saga. Yes. So we will be Going talking about uh, sensory processing. But there are a few like topics within sensory, sensory processing. Today we'll be talking about what it is. Um, Anna will dive into that because I really don't know what I'm talking about. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> just to get an intro going, um, what is sensory processing? And yeah, how do we identify that? What are we talking yeah. about? What am I talking about? Okay, so thanks for asking um, about sensory processing and, and inviting me back here because um, we love having you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, because probably one of the most common um, referrals or phone calls or questions that people um, come and talk to me about as the, as an OT here is sensory processing mm -hmm. um, questions. And, um, and it's not just with really young children, it can be with older children or even with adults too. And so um, it is an area um, that occupational therapists tend to specialize in. And so you, that's why you may not have heard about it or your doctor may not have said anything to you about it um, when you've gone and maybe talked to your doctor or pediatrician or something like that. So it is an, an additional area of um, training that occupational therapists um, tend to to study if they work in pediatrics and kids so it is really really the idea of what it is is super easy to, um, and then we are going to talk about why it is so um, interesting and kind of complex of a and how it affects and interacts with everybody so differently and so uniquely and that's the part that's challenging so sensory processing is basically your ability to understand sensations from your body and the environment mm -hmm. so that you can use your body effectively in that environment. Okay. So for instance, and you need sensory processing and sensory integration for emotional and motor development. If you don't have sensory processing, or that ability to do that, then you would have significant impairment in your emotional and motor development. So a lot of times people will see like developmental pyramids and they'll have like, you know, um, language and thinking skills at the very top and at the very bottom, the base skills that everyone, every human needs and, and adult um, animals needs are the ability to interpret the body's senses at the very, very, very bottom. So they are their building blocks of being able to understand sensation from your body and your environment so that you can then interact in that environment or move your body in, in effective ways. So, so it- Is it possible, Anna? Sorry, yeah. is it possible that like someone at a very early age, like this wouldn't be something that maybe a parent would catch like this is something that could just kind of fly under the radar. And then is, 
are there instances where like in adulthood it's almost unavoidable to like notice that someone has some sensory processing problem so usually with um with when kids are younger what usually um get what usually happens is people um complain that their child is like um you know those really, really, really difficult babies, those colicky babies, um, really difficult, um, difficult eaters and feeders, um, the ones that don't calm easily, those kids usually have sensory processing differences. Um, and it, you, you don't usually not have it and then have it in adulthood. The time that that would happen is if you have an injury as an adult. So if you have a stroke or a head injury or you um, have a really bad illness um, that would attack your senses, then you can have sensory processing difficulties and changes as an adult. Okay. So because sensory processing is necessary for the development of all skills. So you need that to, to have a regular development. And so generally you wouldn't have typical development of sensory processing and then emotional and motor and cognitive development. And then suddenly not unless you had an injury or an illness as an adult or teen or right. So that would be called an acquired um, uh, sensory processing uh, impairment or difference. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I guess like what, what is really important um, to know is that there was there was lots of studies, you know, back in I don't even know what era, but you know, in the last hundred years of like sensory deprivation uh, experiments when they were allowed to, you know, uh, completely, you know, do them ethically. That wasn't an issue back then. Right? Yeah, I was and, say, were they ethical? So, you, yeah, mean, exactly. you mean you mean in the nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. So, but, and yeah, it wasn't also, that long ago. Well, and then also, unfortunately, there were, you know, uh, studies that were done inadvertently on really poor um, living conditions in orphanages, you know, and things like yep. that. Um, yes. You know, they were, they were well documented and such and how it caused significant, significant developmental and functional deficits in, in a child um, when they were exposed to such minimal sensory experiences. Yep. So you're typically for sensory processing to, to develop is um, it starts developing actually in the womb and, um, and then the child's born and then you have these senses which we are going to talk about because there are not just five senses. There's more than that. What? Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> mean they're teaching and, us everything wrong? <laughs> I know, right? I know. And um, and then as soon as the baby is born, then their their body has to start to use their their senses to notice their body and to notice the environment around them. So baby is born and um and then you know obviously you have your big five senses that everyone knows about and talks about so your sense of smelling and your sense of hearing and your sense of vision and your sense of taste and your sense of touch like those are the ones that everyone talks about and that's what I thought we had also when I was younger as well and um you think of a baby that comes out and 
you know, the poor little things are like, oh my God, bombarded with all of this sensory Mm -hmm. information from our environment, from their ears now, it's not muffled, they could hear before, and there's all those studies, right, that show babies hear in utero, but it's now not muffled, it's all lots of different tones and volume levels, and it comes from different directions and stuff like that, so there's the auditory or the sound processing that that body has to develop and figure out, Um, then there's this, this vision um, which again, we know slope the acuity. So how, how in focus their eyes work and um, everything. But then there's also the depth perception and being able to see moving targets and recognize things and notice it and remember it visually. So there's so much visual processing that, that goes on as well. And again, think of touch how some babies, you know, love to be, um, have soft blankets on them and some babies don't care. They can just be, you know, they can, you can change their diaper and they can be naked and they don't care. It doesn't bother their skin. And other babies are like, oh my God, don't make me naked. Um, (laughs) This is awful. This is the worst sensation ever. You know, and that's their sense of touch. That's their, 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 their skin is your largest organ. So would would you say it's problematic? Like is, so like you're saying, so some babies like really love a soft blanket and you can kind of tell they're like snuggling up to it or like feeling comfort. Some babies, you take their clothes off and they don't care. Some babies you're putting clothes on and they don't like it. So is there, like, is that where you start to notice differences or is that just like, they're still a baby? So, I mean, you know, so I, I have a really strong opinion that, you know, babies are born a certain way with their sensory processing already kind of how it's wired so okay. how the how the body and everything is wired and we'll, we're going to talk about that next actually and then you know then it depends on the environment that they're in of how they um also are exposed to more senses or if how the parent or caregiver is responsive to that child's unique um, sensory needs. So if you, um, are a parent and you're able to really read your child well and figure out their little quirks and sensory night likes and dislikes, then it, it, it's, uh, it's all fine. It all works out really good and everybody's happy and mom's happy and baby's happy or caregiver's happy and they're not stressed out about it. But if, if there's a mix match of either the environment is really, overstimulating for that baby or the parent is having a really hard time understanding what is going on with this baby like it's so confusing and they're not able to read them or dance together really well yeah then then there can be really significant stress to the the caregiver and the baby and then it causes just a stress cycle um that just keeps looping and looping um so, so in yeah. in like for environment, if they grow up in a household that's really calm and quiet, and then they go to a friend's house and their environment is loud and busy, is that where like the environment aspect would come into yeah. play? Yes, exactly. Or they do fine at home and then they go to a preschool setting yeah. that's really yeah. very different and not controlled or predictable. Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of sensory overwhelm that way. Yeah. Absolutely. 
Can you like so, make adjustments to their sensory, like how they process things just through like repetition or does that really not change it? Like, so say a baby does- If really it's environmentally enjoy, learned? Well, if they don't enjoy, like some kids don't like bath time, like babies, like mm -hmm. they hate getting wet or like that feeling of getting wet is like stressful for them, but they're okay with say like a wet cloth just sitting on them. They just don't like the water droplets. Like I've seen that before. So if you're like repeating, will they get used to it or is it like they just won't really enjoy the water period it's done it's wired well so good question and it's probably a better question for when we talk about sensory processing differences ah. and then i can go all into that and and what, what we can I'm do all over the place yeah what we can do to help those kids and stuff and i know you want to jump ahead and um but i'm not going no. to jump ahead okay sorry that's okay <laughs> because it's so important to understand the senses first and understand how our body actually and our nervous system our brain and our nerves and our uh, sensory receptors work then it helps parents understand their child a little bit better and look at them with a different lens so i i that's what i i want to talk about today specifically because um it's this is the information that I, that I share all the time with parents. And then it really helps them have more understanding of, of our, of our bodies. So, and then Ooh, more, empathy, more empathy to, to the, yeah. to their children. So I'm yeah. just gonna, I'm like a really visual person. So I'm writing down like smell, and then I'm going to hold up a whiteboard because then at least I don't have to like try to touch my screen and use the whiteboard on that. <laughs> so smell, um, hearing, and all of these senses have like, you know, more formal names. Mm -hmm. um, so if you work with an occupational therapist, then they might call, you know, sight, they might not call it sight, but they might call it this, um, you know, visual processing. Right. Um, they're all exactly the same thing. Like auditory touch. and yeah, auditory instead yeah. of okay. instead of is that backwards or is that correct? No, that's perfect. perfect. Yay. Okay. Mm -hmm. I always forget which way is backwards. So <laughs> your sense of smell, your sense of hearing, your sense of sight, taste, and touch. Those are your five that everyone talks about. Mm -hmm. And those are um what we call kind of our our outside senses. So our they come to our body from the outside. So smell comes from the environment and hearing comes from the environment and sight, you know, taste comes from you putting it into your mouth, right? So everything comes from the outside and, um, and then your body has to do things with it. Right. So I'm going to write the next three in here as well. And then we're going to go over how these actually kind of work. I remember so, you mentioning the, the three, I think it might've been the first time you were on. And yeah. I already forget them, but like, I know what they do, but I'm, I don't oh. remember like what they're called or how I would like identify them as like a scent. Yes. And we're going to go over them more because we don't really use those words. Like we use these top words all the time. Mm -hmm. Like everyone mm -hmm. just uses them. Right. The I smell ones, this. Yeah. And the bottom ones we don't because they are our internal inside sensations and our body just does them automatically. And when our body is working well and our sensory processing is working well, there's no need to even know about them, really. Right, right. They just happen. 
And so that's why, you know, they are not really common knowledge and common, common lingo. So not talked about in school and stuff. That's that's exactly right. So the, the bottom three are your internal Mm -hmm. senses. So they all happen inside our body. So proprioception, vestibular and interoception. Mm -hmm. So these three, and I'm going to go dive deeper into these three today, because they're really important, even though we don't talk about them very much. And the reason they're important is because when a child or an adult or anybody is struggling with sensory processing, they're almost always struggling with these ones. Okay. Yeah. The secret senses. Yes, and that's why it's confusing for people to understand sometimes because um, they're taken as behavior issues or other problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we're going to go back to our, our top five here. And this is the same with all of these. So we have our sense of smell. Yep. And um, every single sense has a receptor so i'm gonna um, draw it in red so it's gonna be a receptor Mm -hmm. so our sense of smell receptor is gonna be our nose and there's like fibers inside our nose and there's cells inside our nose that actually are responsible for noticing um, a smell sensation Whose nose is itchy right now? I was just going <laughs> to you, like. <laughs> you have to watch our previous podcast if you yeah. get this. Inside joke, everyone. <laughs> so, um, and so it's, um, so we, and I, how I describe this to little kids when I'm actually teaching them about this, because I, I teach them this as well, is I say we have like satellites on on our body that are responsible for um, noticing signals from the outside. So we have little receptors in our nose. Mm -hmm. So our little satellites are in our nose that notice sensation and they go along some wires or nerves. So it sends information on wires or nerves and we go all the way to our that travel all the way to our brain. I'm really loving this visual because I'm yeah. such a visual learner. <laughs> so this is like, I'm like, oh my God. Yep. Yeah. Perfect for me. I like so these your, different colors. So, that's right. So your nose does not smell things. Your nose receives information, mm-hmm. a sense, and it, the receptors get activated or they fire a little electrical impulse that travels on a nerve. And then the nerve goes to the brain, to a part of the brain that now has to process mm-hmm. this sense of smell. So it goes to the olfactory section of the brain. And with smell, I wrote this one first because it's a really, 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 really primitive sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is what um, we don't even actually have conscious thought over our smell a lot of the time. Right. So when you smell something that doesn't smell good, you immediately have a reaction to it. Yeah. Like it doesn't go to your thinking part of your brain. It goes to your survival part of your brain. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have a question then. So yeah. you just said like the nose doesn't smell 
it yep. just like takes in and takes then in the goes info- in. information so okay I like never really thought about that but you know like <laughs> everyone has a nose 99.999% of people yeah. will have a nose but some people don't have a sense of smell yes mm. so, so there's so so not then, your nose that's right <laughs> your receptors and- and, and unless your receptors have been damaged in some way by, mm-hmm. you know, chemical damage mm-hmm. or something like that to your actual receptors, it's probably not your receptors that aren't, that are damaged. It's probably the part of your brain that is responsible for interpreting mm-hmm. the sensation of smell. Right, right. Okay. So it's not even the receptors. It's not, not usually, right? Not like usually. Okay. You, you can, what if you work in a place that has toxic fumes and things mm. like that, then you're yeah. going to damage your sense of yeah. smell, right? Your actual receptors are going to get okay. injured. And you're also, there's, you know, conditions and diseases and such that actually do um, de- um, degrade your, yeah. your receptors, right? Yeah. But okay. it's often mainly um, sense of smell in, in the processing part of the brain. Mm. Yeah. So, and that is why, even though we all have noses or majority of us have noses, how we interpret or process if that smell is comfortable or uncomfortable, if it gives us good memories or bad memories, Mm -hmm. depends on how our brain processes that information. That is sensory processing of the olfactory system, which is your sense of smell. So when I smell this certain perfume, I don't know why, but it makes me so happy. And I'm like, I need more oh, of it. Yeah. I have no idea. Like, I know it's from, it's been my whole life, but like, that is like, that triggers that happy. Yes. For yes. me, it, for me, it's Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Hmm. Play-Doh. That is so cool. Okay. I'm going to draw really, <laughs> I'm going to draw a really poor drawing of a, of a, of a brain here. Um, but I'm excited I'm to see it. Here. Oh, no. Okay, so this is this is pretty pretty <laughs> that's, nice. That's so, pretty good. This Looks is like a, a helmet. side view, everyone. So you're looking like sideways, like okay. this at the oops, hold, this way. I'd be okay, like yeah. the front yep. of my eyes and head. Ooh, kind of frontal a lobe. Head, like Neanderthal brain here. There we go. <laughs> yeah, your frontal um, lobe. There we go. Missing a little frontal, bit. frontal lobe up here, right? Okay, okay, so the the sense of smell comes in through our you know nose, right? That's our receptors. It goes on nerves. It travels on olfactory nerves, back um, whoops through here, and then it actually travels through our old 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 part of the brain. The corpus um, callosum. Oh, I mean, there's so many structures in there, you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it has to travel through the old old part of the brain. That's just kind of where all of our senses go through. Older part of our brain. So this is more of our developed frontal lobe part up here. And our senses don't brain stem and they travel through parts of the brain that are associated with emotion. So the limbic system, a reticular activating system, all these structures that are very you know, technical and stuff like that really doesn't matter. What matters is that you understand that they go through the non-thinking, the survival part of your brain first, and it determines if it is yes or no, like immediately. It doesn't go up here for you to decide if it's good or bad. So that is why, Sarah, when you smell something, a certain smell, it immediately makes pleasurable feelings for you. 
Yeah, you like I, I would like control want to contain it. Yes. That it's like makes me so happy. Yes. And so it goes past your limbic system, which has all your emotion stuff and your, you know, there's all these other structures there. That's not important. So what's important to understand, it goes through your survival brain first. If the survival brain, um, your lower part, your old part of your brain, if it deems the sensation pleasurable or not harmful to your body as a human, then you're going to get lots of pleasure experiences from it. Um, and have positive thoughts about it and all that kind of stuff. If your brain, your old part of the brain here, survival brain goes, oh my God, that's awful. Oh my God, you're in danger, danger, danger. Then you're gonna be, have a some sort, then it's gonna go up to the rest of your brain to process and figure out, oh my God, you know, I don't like that at all, right? But you're gonna have this reaction immediately, immediately. So when you have a reaction to a smell that you hate and it's like immediate reaction, get me out of here. That's your survival brain, fight, fight, fright, you know, get me out of here. It is awful. Your anxiety goes up, everything. That makes so much sense. I know it (laughs) That is how sensory processing works for every single sense, every sense. So every single sense, here's your sense of hearing and your receptors for hearing are in your, your, you know, say your drum and your anvil and your hammer and they hit things and then little vibrations of sound vibrations travel. So here's your ear structures, right? So your hammer, drum, anvil, all that, right? All that, then they travel on nerves your ear does not hear the sounds. It just takes the interprets the vibration sense. Woo, travels on nerves. So you technically don't need to have an ear to still, as long as your nerves. Uh. Yes. Think of this. What? Think of this. What, does a, what, what does a cochlear implant do? A cochlear implant. Oh yeah, receives. Receives the vibration senses from right. sound waves turns that that is what a cochlear implant does mm-hmm. and it turns it into electrical impulses that travel on the cochlear nerve that go to the brain for the auditory processing part of the brain to interpret that information so if i didn't have a nose would there be something else that could smell they're, they do not have prosthetic devices for that. Even like for vision and stuff, they're, yeah. very, they're, they're very rudimentary forms of that, that they do have, but they're rudimentary. Maybe um, this is a rumor I heard, but I heard before like someone could smell through their eye, like tear ducts and they could like <laughs> blow bubbles through them and like breathe through them. There might be somewhere, you know, very unique cases out there, but you know, I'm not sure. I know not for can, everybody. I know you can get like air bubbles and things like that. We're gonna get weird now. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to going back to this craziness. So um, again, our brain has to then notice um, all of the signals mm-hmm. and sounds that are coming, and then the brain has to. So remember, it still has to go through. So even the auditory stuff goes um, through the brain stem, uh, the old part of the brain. If the old survival part of the brain deems that 
sense of noise that they heard um, that it was uh, a threat to their body, mm-hmm. then they're going to go into a startle reflex or a fight, right. fight, fight reflex mm-hmm. and, um, and, and cause the stress response to happen in the body. If the auditory system goes through the old part of the brain and the um, you know survival part of the brain goes, Oh, ooh, I like that. That's not harmful. I'm not going to, I'm not a threat right now. It's not yeah. going to hurt me. Then the rest of the part of the auditory part of the brain that processes it can be like, ah, oh, okay. Cool. It's when I hear then, my child screaming bloody murder, I'm like, ah, you run away. Yes. And I run away. <laughs> yes. But yes. when I hear like a good band, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, give me more. Yes. I'm a singer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes and that's sense. why, you know, certain sounds or beats or um, tones or pitches um, oh. are different for different like people. Like high. That's right. I've seen like this trend where it's like, as you get older, I might be off topic now. Anyways, as you get older, you can't hear certain. You know where this is going. <laughs> like high pitched sounds. Yeah. Have you heard that? Like, yeah. So it's, that. that's just a, a fact usually okay. of, of aging. Yeah. And so. Um, I can still hear those by the way. Me guys. too. Me too. <laughs> so, so that would be a, a change at, um, at that this level here, mm-hmm. that the amount of input that has to come in, so the amount of of sound vibration has to be intense right. okay. for the brain that for it to travel on the brain for the brain to register it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's different. That's why hearing aids just amplify sound. Right. Hearing aids don't don't help with auditory processing different differences. They help with sound hear it down to get there all right right. yeah exactly so okay so then the sense sense of sight same thing you have eyeballs eyeballs do not see eyeballs make um things clear make your image clear that's when you get glasses and all the glasses do is help make your acuity or make you be able to see close and see far away accurately and, and clearly. They eyeballs also interpret things like black and white and some color. Um, and they also see, um, they are responsible for, for tracking things. So your eye muscles are responsible for actually tracking things as well. And there's more, I mean, all of this has a lot more details to it, but this is the most important things. Quick question. Um, yeah. Um, with sight and like colors, just quick answer. And if you don't want to <laughs> dive into this, don't, but, or if you just don't want to, I don't know, maybe you don't know the answer actually, but I was curious, maybe you do. Um, colors like, so the way I see the color red mm-hmm. isn't it different for everyone um yes but let's <laughs> not go on to that because that goes down a whole rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> what color vision is I, we is love rabbit hole and confuse everyone I would love it. everyone listening to just right now be like huh like yes yeah so yeah the red I'm yeah. seeing is not the red Sarah sees that's hilarious. So, so when and, and our you want to know boyfriends why? or husbands are like, that's pink, they 
that's pink to them. Pink. So and you're like, no, um, that's rose. This this is why. So here's our eyes. Our eyes don't see the color necessarily. Right. They just they just see data like you know computer data coming in ones and zeros of information that fires everything on nerves that travel way to the back of the brain this simple little part of the brain which is your your visual yeah. area that processes your sense of all sorts of things of sight so color and movement and depth perception and all sorts and then it goes to about 40 percent of your brain that actually is involved in um vision processing huge so yes then you have how your brain interprets the color um you know blues and greens are a really common one that people kind of argue over no that's blue no that's green you know um and uh, that's like my that. least so, favorite argument green is my favorite color so I get so frustrated <laughs> like no because how your brain interprets it that is your sense of sensory processing of the vision the visual input that you saw and it is unique to your brain because that's your brain mm -hmm. and so um all of these are unique to each of our brains hence why when you're um when your child is super sensitive to the vacuum cleaner or something like that and you aren't and you don't understand because it's logically just a vacuum cleaner and there's no reason to freak out about it mm -hmm. but now we know that the brain the old part of the brain the survival part thought that sound was threatening to that person they cannot think logically right when your survival brain is being fired then you're just going to go into fight, fight, fight. You're not going to have any logical thinking up here about it. Totally makes sense. I just yeah. think of my dog when I would chase him with the vacuum when he's younger, and now he just barks because it's, that's his flight mode. Yes, he's fighting. <laughs> I'm it like, oh, it's so <laughs> cute. Yeah, and now oh. he's like, I have to put him outside to vacuum. <laughs> yep. Yep. I used to vacuum my dog. Oh, I, I would like pet. That. I would I, pet them with the vacuum. I should have done because then they're like, oh, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, you and that might have worked, and that might not have worked, depending True. on the neurology yes. of your dog. <laughs> True. 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 So, so again, taste is another one, right? Taste mm -hmm. is another one. Same thing. You've got a tongue and taste buds mm -hmm. and all that, but they don't actually really like they 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 sense the scent of certain senses. There's your wonderful tongue, Oopsies, there we go, um, and your mouth. And, um, but they don't really interpret the information. Again, that information goes on nerves to your brain and then your brain has to then interpret this, uh, that sense of taste. Um, and taste, taste and smell, are they like very closely related? Yeah, yes. And so some of them, what, why they are closely related is so some of them, um, they, they all have their own pathways, their own nerves mm -hmm. that they travel on, but then the nerves go and kind of end up attaching together um, or they share a few nerves that are very close. Okay. So like the sense of smell and taste are gonna be shared, the sense of sight. Um, and when we talk about um, proprioception and vestibular, especially vestibular are shared 
um, have shared pathways or mm -hmm. shared nerves. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why they, they go hand in hand together. Yeah. So when I want to like eat or drink something that tastes kind of nasty, I plug my nose and that seems to work. Absolutely. Yeah. You also, there's a smell yep. that comes up from the food too, right? So you yeah. need to close yeah. that off as well because they're two different, um, different senses going on, right? Right. So you can't, you can't just smell without, or um, taste without, without closing your nose because the scent of, the scent of the item is going to also um, get triggered. Fish oil and tequila. Yeah, right. Ugh. <laughs> so moving so on good to the sense food. of touch, because this is yes. one that um that uh is it can be a huge area of frustration for people and then a huge area of discomfort. So this is your skin. Yeah. That one I feel like I don't know. I you know what? Sense of touch to me is tricky because yeah. like Obviously I feel like textures, but I never notice like touch. Like I don't care about like someone touching me or something itchy or like that kind of stuff doesn't like bother me. I guess so, my sensory processing's fine for touch. No, no, and like, <laughs> like that, this is why this is really confusing for people. Yeah. Because we think of touch as being like one thing that yeah. like, I, I can feel something is one thing and it's mm. not. The sense of touch has many types of senses. So you actually have like hot and cold, oh. um, you have pain, you have oh. vibration, you have moving touch. Yeah, totally you, dismissed all of those. <laughs> light, light touch. Um, you have a little bit of like a deeper touch, like a, yes. like a bit of a push touch, right? So a deep touch. One, two, three, four, five, hot, cold, six. I'm missing something here. Um, anyway, um, so there's about seven or so ones that I talk about the most Okay. and they all have, guess what? Their own receptors. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and, and I could get really, really, really nerdy. And I could tell you all the names of all the different receptors for each of these things. And then the, and the type of nerve that they travel up to get to the brain. Yeah, but that's really not important. <laughs> What's important to understand is each one of these is a different receptor. Then they travel on some shared and some different nerve fibers or nerves from all of your body. So the ends of your fingertips, ends of your toes, the back of your neck, right? All those travel on nerve fibers on special little wires up to you through, through your survival brain. Your survival brain has to determine if they are threatened or not. If the survival brain goes, yeah, yeah. I'm in danger, then you fire fight, flight, and fight response. If your survival brain doesn't notice it, it's not triggered, it's not like your your body is not considered in danger, then it goes up to your tactile processing parts of your brain, your somatosensory um, areas of your brain that, that process touch um, and, and pain. And uh, pain's actually processed uh, deeper in the brain and more of the older parts of your brain. Um, and, and so again, those have to get processed that way. How okay. does tickling yeah. 
come into play there because like it's like almost like enjoyable like it's funny like it's like a good sensation but then you're like I hate it Mm -hmm. like stop it like like it like triggers a lot of emotions almost yeah and so tickling is um, a moving touch and it's a light touch and moving and light touches are very alerting senses Mm -hmm. so just like if you were to um bite on a lemon a bitter sour taste is an alerting sense it tends to trigger your survival brain to wake up okay that you Um, may be in danger so light touch and moving touch does the same kinds of things it triggers that survival brain to notice and pay attention because you might be in danger loud noises right yeah all that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. vision um if things move in your periphery that triggers a survival brain to pay attention and look because way back when when we were being hunted by animals we wanted to notice those things that wouldn't survive yeah that's that's the whole point of the survival brain is to be able to notice that that's why this is hit first it comes to this part of the brain first and then it goes to your thinking part um Mm -hmm. And, and so it doesn't really matter, at, you know, at, you know, after we're like, oh my goodness, that was just so-and-so who, who just moved over there or who just jumped out at me. Why do I get, why do I get jump scares every time they do that to me? Oh, I knew they were behind the door and I yeah. said, jump. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to be 
in in harm's way, then they fire adrenaline and cortisol. And the reason they fire that, that means they releases it in your whole body releases that. Not just in your brain, but your whole body releases it. And that makes your heart rate increase and your lung breathing go up, up capacity be able to be bigger. And it makes your muscles tighten because then you are ready to bolt. Right. And protect yourself. That is what you, if you don't have that burst, then can you imagine you like, uh-oh, I'm in danger. Oh, well. I <laughs> and think some people move. do. Like, yes. Well, then you can shut that off. You can right. actually shut the system off and really, um, which is really, really, really unhealthy and very um, scary when you get to that point. Um, mm -hmm. Because then you're not, you, you, you've shut your whole system down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so skin is a really big one. It's your whole body. You take in skin and tactile sensations with your clothing that you wear when people are touching you or bumping into you and all of that kind of stuff. So, so skin is a huge touch system is a huge, uh, uh, can be a huge area of um, input from the environment. Um, so a lot of sensation comes in through your skin that we, again, can tune out. If it's working well for us, our brain just tunes it out and we don't even notice our clothing. We right. don't even notice slight discomfort of cold, coldness or you know hot or whatever. But if your brain is really sensitive to those things, then you're going to really notice those things. Right. Okay, we are gonna talk about the last three that I'm hidden excited for these the secret okay. ones. Yeah, the secret <laughs> ones. Hello. So just like the top ones, they all have receptors, but mm -hmm. instead of the receptors being like really, like really out here where we can see them and, and we, um, and the information comes like right from the outside of our body and hits our receptors. Mm -hmm. These receptors are inside our body. Right. So proprioception, vestibular and introception. I'm going to talk about um, proprioception. The receptors are in our muscles and our tendons. Here's our muscles. This is a muscle, everybody, that's a muscle. Here's our, <laughs> here's our bone here. I'll, I'll draw a bone so it looks okay. a bit like a- uh, Looks like a hot dog. There we go. <laughs> like a corn dog, exactly. Oh no. Now I'm hungry. So, okay. so our receptors for our proprioception is in our muscles and in our um, tendons and our ligaments. See, I joints. thought I knew what proprioception was and now I don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so it is our sense of where our body position is in space okay. and it senses movement of our muscles and our joints. So, and it then gives us uh, an awareness of where we are in location. So for instance, I'm going to give examples because this is the easiest way um, to, to understand this. Mm -hmm. You are sitting on a chair right now. And if I ask you, what position is your left ankle in? Don't look at it. What Underneath position my is thigh. Left... Okay. So is Slightly it, tilted. is it crooked? Is it twisted? Is it right? Yeah, it's completely it's not how it should be right now. Okay. And you can, yeah. you, you could tell me and feel yeah. mm -hmm. how the position is of your ankle without using your eyes to look at it. Yeah, for sure. Yes. 
Yeah. That is your sense of proprioception. That makes sense. You don't normally think about it ever. No. We never think about it unless there's a problem. For instance, if we are doing a yoga pose that we have never done before, and we have to put our body into a certain position and hold it there, how much brain power does that use to try to make sure all your joints are in the right position yeah. to hold that pose? Or like when you're doing a plank. It's yeah, like well, plank, yeah, plank down uses a lot of core here. strength too, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I'm not really talking about strength. I'm talking oh. about the position of your joints have to be in. Oh, so yeah. when the, you know, you're doing a yoga thing and, and maybe if you have a, access to a mirror and you're like, oh my God, like, my bum is way up in the air and I'm not supposed to, or my hips are way shifted sideways and I'm supposed to be straight, you know? Mm-hmm. That is a position of where your body senses in space. And that is from your muscles and tendons and joints that actually give you that feedback. Your skin helps, obviously, the sense of touch helps, but that's not the only thing that tells us that. So when our a little senses when our tendons or muscles are stretched, little receptors in there, little things like, you know, muscle spindles and Golgi tendon apparatuses and crazy, you know, geeky names I can lift <laughs> off, get stimulated and they fire electrical impulses like all of our senses on nerves. Zhoo, zhoo up the body, up your nerves to through here. And again, through your old part of your brain, your survival part of your brain up until, and then it sends it up to the somatosensory motor cortex of your body, of your brain to then process that information and decide what to do with it. Okay. So is that kind of like, say you're laying in bed at night and you're like in a position and then in your mind, you're like, I'm not comfortable right now. Yes. And then you yeah. want to like adjust. Is that kind yes. of the same? Okay. Yes. Uh, awesome. Awesome analogy. That's, so, yeah. yeah. Okay. So if a position doesn't feel comfortable, then you reposition. Again, tactile part has a sense of touch has something to do with it, right? But um, it's not all just your skin receptors and sense of touch. It's your deeper position. Makes sense, like that muscle. Of where your joints are exactly. So you got to yeah. throw your leg up or whatever. Yeah, your muscle. Right. It's not like your skin or yeah. Right often or whatever. I feel it like in my hip. Usually, it's like oh my yeah. hip feels uncomfortable or like my yeah. joint that's is right. like not in the right spot. That's mm-hmm. right. So that sense of discomfort in yeah. your hip is a proprioceptive response uh, sensation. <sighs> that makes yeah. so much sense. Yeah. That. Exactly. Yep. So now I have an excuse have, when I'm like whipping around in bed, like trying to yes, fall over to the so, other side. <laughs> like, I'm just a little sensitive with my proprioception right I'm now. Like, it needs to be just right. Just adjusting. It's not you. It's my proprioception. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so that is really important to you because if you have, um, if the appropriate, the sense of um, uh, pressure and position in your joints is firing up to your brain and your sense of, and your brain is interpreting that information really well. Great, awesome, that's fabulous. Um, But if it's not noticing and recognizing that discomfort sense, 
then you could have um, significant um, pain or bodily bodily illnesses that are happening in your joints or whatever that you might not even be aware of if you're not noticing those things in your brain. So proprioception is important for um, for a lot of our sense of our senses of well-being senses. Um, if we don't uh, notice the, this, then we can have you know a lot of joint discomfort and internal and discomfort, and not notice those things in our muscles and, and joints. We can work to exhaustion and not notice that that we were working our muscles to exhaustion until we collapse. Um, things okay. like that. Okay. Okay, sense of vestibular sense. So this is one that people will probably, more people know about because when you have an inner ear infection mm -hmm. or something has happened to your inner ear, yeah. ear where you have vertigo. Yeah. <laughs> vertigo, <laughs> that is your vestibular system uh, haywire. I hate my vestibular system. <laughs> yes. So we've got, this is our inner ear. So I'm just going to write down inner ear, which is your, um, your, your um, semicircular canals that a lot of people who have vertigo learn about because they have to do little exercises for their semicircular canals and your otolith. So you have two receptors in your inner ear, two of them that are responsible for balance and movement and spatial orientation with relation to gravity, mm -hmm. okay? So it lets us know about the movement and our position of our head in relation to where gravity is in, in the world. So it also helps us with direction of movement. So we've talked about all these things here and yet we've never, not one of these has talked about walking our body through mm, space, running right. through space, cartwheeling through space. The ability to do that has to do with our vestibular system working with our sense of proprioception and vision and, and uh, touch. Right. If so, we didn't have the vestibular system for that, then all of our balance and awareness of spatial awareness is impaired and has is impacted. Are there things that, um, like, so for me, I get really bad vertigo if my iron flow because I am anemic. I've always have been. So my, is that like my vestibular gets affected by my like iron? Do they work together like vitamins and like minerals and then all of the systems? So, I mean, you have to really think of our bodies as a, as a full system, right? Yeah. And so all of the, this it can be impacted by medical conditions, mm -hmm. such as our, our body's ability to have iron and, and oxygen, the amount of oxygen then right. that's in our, in our system, right? Um, and and uh, the amount of minerals and nutrients that our body has, the amount of sleep that our body has and rest and recovery time, all of that impact sensory processing. So metabolically, even below sensory processing, your metabolic system has to be working medically. If your insulin's out of control, it doesn't matter what your sensory processing is doing. You need your insulin levels and everything good. You need your iron levels good. You know, like that's why like one of the very, very first things I tell parents to do is 
go and get a blood work done for your child. Check and see if their iron levels are good. Check and see if their vitamin levels are good, their Bs and stuff like that. Like those are really, really important systems because all of those minerals and chemicals, that is actually what transmits the helps transmit this information along nerves and from receptors and then the brain to interpret it. That's what that that is actually what makes all that stuff work up there all right so yes absolutely it's all all impacted like us if we are sleep deprived my sensory system and how my brain interprets sensory information is different than when i am well rested and have eaten yes yeah yep so they are all connected. Mm-hmm. Okay, our vestibular system is really, 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 really cool because it's our inner ear, our otoliths, uh, otoliths and our, our semicircular canals. And they are what, if we are swinging on a swing and you close your eyes, <sighs> you'll know you're moving through space. Mm-hmm. Okay? Nothing else gives us that information except our vestibular system in that point of view and that mm-hmm. point in time. Don't pump your legs, don't do anything, just swing on the swing Mm -hmm. and close your eyes. We have no other, I mean, the breeze is hitting our skin. So it's giving us impact input of light, light touch, you know, so that we know that we are also kind of, you know, you get that input as well, but it is our um, semicircular canals and our vestibular system that gives us this input um, and tells us. So again, it doesn't tell us it. It sends it on signals. And the signals go up. Oops. Now it's looking like it's going up through the brain, but it's coming through the brain. Because <laughs> it's way up here um, yeah. and through the brain, through the survival brain first, like all the senses. If your survival brain interprets a threat to your body, you go into fight, fight, and fight. So fear of heights. Okay. Mm. You can be standing on one of those glass plank floor things and some people, their vestibular system does not get triggered by their brain, by their survival brain. And then it can go to their logical thinking brain and their thinking brain can be like, man, this is so cool. Look at this. We can see all the way down there. This is amazing. Wow, that's awesome. Or it can be like (laughs) my vestibular system and it can go up through my brain and my old survival brain and my survival brain is like, oh my God, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. Yep. It's a safety. Life is great. And I will be a turtle in a huddle on the floor crying. And it doesn't matter that I logically know that the glass holds 10,000 pounds or anything else. My anxiety will be so high. My fight, fight, and fight will be triggered like crazy. And mm-hmm. cortisol will be ripping through my system. And, and my heart will be pounding like crazy. I'll be sweating. I'll have a nauseous stomach. You betcha. I am, no. Guys. Can that change <laughs> over the years? Yes, it can. So, because I'm like, when I was younger, like, I feel oh. like I had no fear of like heights and whatever. And now I'm like, and I just, maybe I know, like I could fall. You know so too I just, much. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, but I'm like, I know I, it's this ladder safe, but I used to scale it. No problem. Now I'm like, oh my God, don't climb on that ladder. <laughs> like, 
why <laughs> yes yeah so so I mean I haven't done like all the research you're reading about like the exact mechanisms and such but one of the the things when we as we change from being children to adults is we stop doing all of this vestibular play yeah so vestibular play senses are you you use it or you lose it mm-hmm. so if um if you you know like there's there's studies where you know they you know uh, rats and mice and stuff like that and then they're born and they're all healthy and then they cover them up and blind them you know like mm-hmm. with covers and stuff and they're only given small small amounts of light a day like these sensory deprivation experiments mm-hmm. and their sense of um, vision deteriorates and goes away right right so the same kind of idea with any of these kinds of senses if we stop using that sense a lot and um in all the ways that, that sense is supposed to be used that means cartwheels, somersault, rolling. Like when was the last time as an adult you did a cartwheel? You know? Ooh, never in my life. More recently than I would like to admit. <laughs> right? And and you know, like I can do cartwheels and I'm I'm fine with it, but even like and I do somersaults and I do this stuff to kind of play with kids because that's yeah. what they somersaults I'm do. fine. Cartwheels, yep. I'm afraid I'm going to break everything in my body. Yeah, you like think yes. about it. Yeah. But even with somersaults now, I get dizzy after one mm. somersault. Mm-hmm. I'll do one mm-hmm. somersault and then I can feel it dizzy and then I can do another one. But I can't do multiple somersaults in a row like no. I used to as a kid. Yeah. So when I spin, because Abby always wants to be spun. So we mm-hmm. spin her and like she can keep going. But I'm like, I yeah. spin a couple and I need to sit down for like five yeah. minutes because I think I'm going to throw up. Yeah. 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 That's the and same. Ah. Yeah. This is the vestibular system. And, and the vestibular system is so, so important um, because it actually helps with attention and focus and vision skills. And so when, when children are young, what they are supposed to be able to do is move, 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 move their body in all sorts of ways, like climb and jump and swing and, and roll and crash and all of that, because that actually helps make this part of the brain mature Mm -hmm. so that it can handle all of those senses and sensations. So that vision and auditory listening and attention and focus can all develop, right? These are the bottom skills, the bottom rungs here. Those have to have lots of experience before you can then have the other senses of the other skills develop on top of that. So that is, um, so this is so, so, so important to be able to provide for children when they're younger when they don't have lots of those experiences, then they can become easily fearful of movement or hypersensitive yes. to um, things going on and movement and distractions around them, or they don't understand where their body is in space between these two, the proprioception and vestibular. So they have like a lot of uh, difficulties with um, knowing their body awareness or how much they're moving or which direction they're moving, or if they're you know, all that kind of stuff. So these are hidden senses, these ones that are critical to the development of a lot of higher motor skills in kids and motor abilities in children um, and adults. 
basically I have to continue driving over the Brazu Dam over and over and over and over until <laughs> I no longer feel like I want to crawl into a hole. <laughs> well, it is definitely hard when, like, you know, when you're older because our brains are less flexible. Oh. So when our brains are young, we worst. have a lot of what we call neuroplasticity. Yeah. Neuroplasticity just means that the brain can learn easier yeah. <laughs> than when yeah. you're older. So when you're younger, your brain can learn a lot easier yeah. and faster. That's why kids can learn languages faster yes. when they're younger. And when you teach them how to skate, they can learn a lot faster than an older person learning how to skate. Yep. That requires a sense of sight, a sense of touch, a sense of proprioception, a sense of vestibular system mm -hmm. to learn how to skate, right? Mm -hmm. When your brain is younger and has is more plastic, huh, which is weird, moldable. Yes, um, yeah. Then the wires and the nerve pathways can be built and rebuilt and made faster and made more efficient and easier than when you're older. It just, that's just how the nervous system is. Our nervous system gets older and it gets a little bit um, less able to modify itself. Yeah, it doesn't want to. I find like the brain gets to this point where you're like, nope, this is safe. Like, yeah. we, don't, we don't need to do this. We're I'm safe good. now. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. you see yeah. kids like climbing all the way up a tree and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're but like, like oh. those things are weird because like yeah. I would climb a tree, but to climb a ladder at the same height, I'm like, no. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Weird. No. And and you know, you know, we were on a family trip um a couple years ago, and we were traveling to a really really Pikes Peak, which is um really really like fourteen thousand footer, and it's a one that you can actually drive up. Yeah. Well, there is no railing no. on the one side. It is like straight nope. on God. down the mountain cliff over yeah, there that's crazy. and it doesn't matter how logical of a, of a sense that I knew that my husband was not going to be driving off the cliff but I it, I I couldn't have my eyes open mm -hmm. and my anxiety got so bad that they ended up having to drop me off at a parking lot <laughs> because I couldn't handle it and there's my old my 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 brain I just couldn't I couldn't get out of the fight fight I couldn't right. get past yeah. my survival brain being firing and triggering mm -hmm. I, I couldn't use strategies in that point um mm -hmm. it wasn't worth it for my mental health <laughs> yeah so, I'd so, be right there in that parking lot with yeah. you Same. Yeah. So <laughs> I went for a hike after to like again use my proprioception sense and all of my other senses to bring myself down again and get mm -hmm. regulated and 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 such so we use our sensory systems all day long to regulate our body for emotional regulation right. we use these all day long as adults we use this for emotional regulation not just for motor skills that i've been talking about like how you ride a bike or how you learn to skate or mm -hmm. swing on a swing or you know all that kind of stuff we use this to for our emotional regulation yeah and i've seen like tips like where if you're on an airplane and you're having like anxiety and so then you use those like find five things you can smell four things you can touch like and it goes yeah. like uses all of yeah. those and i've you tried those. it yeah and it works 
Yes. So they use grounding techniques. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? yes. Those are grounding techniques that you're using your senses, your senses to override your survival brain um, okay. and try to get your survival brain to recognize some of the senses that feel good, that are pleasurable, that are, are releasing of dopamine and releasing of um, serotonin instead of keeping firing of the awful like, you know, adrenaline and cortisol and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Because when your body fires the thing of uh, the, um, when your when your survival brain is firing, it's firing your fight, 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 all your, your, um, all your, <clears throat> your hormones that are going to help you, um, your stress hormones, because they're going to actually help you like react immediately right. and get to, to get to safety. But if it doesn't fire that and your brain doesn't interpret a, a sense of threat, then, and, and if it, if your brain interprets it as actually like, cause it can interpret it as neutral. You don't really notice it and don't recognize it. It's not really that big a deal, mm -hmm. but if it notices it as something pleasurable, um, then you're going to release, um, you know, dopamine and um, serotonin and oxytocin and those, um, those neurochemicals in your body, your whole body that are calming and feel good and addictive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and so, so, and so important why some of those strategies for anxiety reduction work when you use not just thinking strategies, like thinking strategies doesn't do me nothing in the moment when I'm high stress. But if I use like, look at things that, you know, that are pleasurable or whatever, find five things that you can see in the room that are green and um, find three things to touch and feel and describe the, what you feel and mm -hmm. right. Those are move, um, go for a walk. The breathing ones um, are also trying to in, make proprioception. So the pressure from inside your chest, um, a lot of the breathing stuff is trying to kind of trigger some of those senses as well with our body, mm -hmm. um, as well as um, as other things as well. So, so anyway, yeah, that that is why that is why when we when we are teaching, um, especially in occupational therapy. Um, I use the senses to help um, regulate for co-regulation strategies for kids and families. So the last sense, yes, there's an eighth one. Now I'm saying there's eight senses. It is not, um, there's, there's even like, you can split it and people can like, you know, say, well, there's actually a little more, or well, but um, I'm just going to say eight for now because they're generally, it's pretty agreed upon that there's eight senses. Um, neuroception is a new kind of term as well that's coming out. It kind of fits in with interoception. Mm -hmm. So here's interoception. Interoception, think of it as inside our body also. And it is the sense of noticing signals that are inside our body. So when you have a fluttery stomach, butterflies in your stomach, when you have a growly stomach, when your heart is pounding, it's none of these senses. When your bladder is full and hurts, that is your introception. You never would think that those would be senses. I uh -huh. like, you just like, or common, just it just function. does it. 
Yeah. That's right. And that's right. That is why when things are working really well and development has happened well and there's been no injury or anything, these senses and all of our senses just, just, they go, they go, they get receptive, received by receptors. They fire on nerves. They go up to our brain. Yeah. Our brain processes it and it all works. It just works. No one yeah. needs to know about all this. And these just work internally, silently doing their thing and working. It's when they aren't working efficiently for our body that there's difficulties. And so for interoception, interoception is like our base, base one. And this is why I put it at the bottom here, because these are so, so important for our, um, our emotion our emotional awareness mm -hmm. of our basic emotions of um, hunger, mm -hmm. thirst, mm -hmm. discomfort, like pain, mm -hmm. fatigue, need to go to the bathroom. If you don't have the internal interoception, if these receptors, which are on, all your major organs inside your body. That is why you can feel your heart pounding. That is why you feel your tummy grumbling. You know, it's not your skin that's receiving that. So these are in your organs. So is that like headaches too? Yes, 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 yes. Mm, okay. That's exactly right. Headaches, thank you. Brain, mm -hmm. absolutely. So if you don't, so again, the organs, little, the little receptors in your organs get triggered, right? They are supposed to sense something. It fires on a nerve and it's thrown up to the brain. Again, the brain has to go through this part again, and then it has to decide what to do with it, right? So most of that is just done automatically. There is no thinking involved. It just happens, right? Mm -hmm. So when a baby is a baby, a newborn, and they suddenly never had hunger sensations before because they, you know, they were plugged into the umbilical cord and they didn't have to notice that before. But then the baby comes and they have a hunger sensation, something is uncomfortable in their body, mm -hmm. and they have to, um, it triggers um, the survival brain to be like, oh my God, your, your body's in danger. And what do babies do? They cry. Cry, yeah. Because that's their only thing they can do. So it triggers a stress response in the baby and the baby cries. And then the caregiver tries to figure out what the problem is with the baby because they can't communicate. So they go through, oh, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you wet? Right. You know, and you go through the senses yeah. <laughs> and you help regulate your baby right? Um, because the baby can't regulate themselves. They can't, like, they can't um, self-regulate yet. So interoception is so, so, so important. Um, if some people tend to get hangry um, and other people notice that they're getting hungry before they get hangry, <laughs> right? So again, <laughs> I, get, um, I get hangry when I've been working a lot and I've forgotten to eat because yeah. I'll be so preoccupied with my other senses <laughs> I'll be preoccupied with my sense of vision or sense of uh, auditory because I'm talking to people and I'm looking at people or I'm looking at work mm -hmm. and I'm doing stuff 
and I'm keeping busy that I forget about poor interoception down here. And I don't even notice the signals going off in my stomach yeah. or, I, or I tune them down. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I have like no patience and my mm-hmm. tolerance is done and I'm- We're very similar. Food. Yeah. Mm, I get so yeah. mad. And like, that's actually funny because Levi knows I'm hangry before I know I'm hangry. Yes. Because yes. He, can, he can like see it coming from a mile away. Because yes. to me, in my head, I'm like, okay, I ate my lunch. I can wait till mm. five o'clock for dinner. That's five hours. Like I'll be fine. But like four o'clock rolls around and I'm starting to feel hungry, but I'm like, <laughs> I'll be fine. I can wait for dinner. He'll get home from work. See me like like look like I'm about to rage and he just looks at me and's like you should have a snack and I'm like <laughs> you should be careful <laughs> and, and then okay and then when you're already like so you're in kind of like survival mo- brain mode is now yeah. I'm gonna attack you yeah and then attack you back and, yeah. and there's no logical thinking there. There's no like, hey, thanks, buddy. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, no. That would make me, me feel better. Exactly. That is your frontal brain would have to be <laughs> thinking then and being activated. And it's not. It's stuck back here. Yeah. And so that's why when you say to a kid, are you hungry? And they're like, no. You, yeah. you don't say that to them because they're not going to, like, right? Just no, like it's just here's a snack. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Which one do you want? So I'm literally being treated like a five-year-old because yeah. it'll be like, here's a banana. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I don't want this. And I like start eating it and then I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I'm nice again. I guess I was hungry. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so in, interoception is so, so important because again, if you, if you, this is, I'm going to use you, Allie, if you don't mind. I don't mind. <laughs> if, if, if your interception cues from your stomach are going up here and they're not registering, no. so they're not strong enough for you to notice them, or you've chosen in your brain to tune them out, because mm-hmm. that is another thing that um, we do as adults and humans. We tend to try to uh, tune things out. Yeah. Um, and so you're tuning it out. And so that unfortunately is causing grief and you're not noticing and recognizing this, and then you're not um, dealing with your emo- your homeostatic yeah. emotion. Your homeostatic emotions are the ones that keep our bodies healthy and stable. So mm-hmm. things like hunger and thirst and um, a need to go to the bathroom and pain and discomfort and fatigue. So if you aren't noticing those things and you're not dealing with those, um, and so you're, you know, never mind, never mind the more complicated emotions that are up yeah. here of anger, frustration, irritation, um, glee, happiness, excitement, right? Nervousness, anxiety. Those are way bigger emotions up here or way comp- more complicated emotions because you actually have to recognize all the interoception mm-hmm. signals. So if you're nervous, you need to be able to recognize butterflies in your stomach and pal- sweaty palms and um, maybe a racing heart. Those are internal interoception signals that you need to be able to notice. And and then your brain needs to be able to attach them to an emotion. And then you need to actually use some thinking of what you should do about it without just reacting. Yeah, I'm bad. But I think like I'm also just pushing like 
okay, I'm hungry, yeah. but I have other things to do. So like I can eat later, but yeah. I like, I know it's, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I think a lot of people are like that though. Yeah, Everyone's like, ignore a pain, a pain. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, I'll just go away. I got other uh, stuff to yeah. do or whatever. And, and then and you're irritated. Yeah. Like, and it's absolutely fine that we have to do that at some times we have to do that. And it's no big deal. But if it's impacting relationships, if it's oh, no. impacting play and function, <laughs> if it's impacting your ability to manage the environment you're mm-hmm. in, then that's an issue. Yeah. yeah. I almost feel like my hangers become like a joke. Yeah. Like, like we'll be, honor, no. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's like, we'll be like on our way to town to like run an errand and Levi will just look at me and be like, did you eat something? Just by the way, <laughs> like before we're setting out on this journey, just curious if you're <laughs> yep. just like, yes, I had crackers and cheese. I had a banana, like, and he's just like, okay, great. It's like, we're going to have a, we're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Is this going to be a good experience or a bad one? Yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, and that's so important too, because yeah. understanding that about your own children and, and parents mm-hmm. will know that well, like some of their kids, um, they just need to always have snack pops because that's right. just how their child is. And other parents are like, yeah, no, I, I, it's not a big deal. Like yeah. they don't, um, they don't start losing it if they're just a little hungry, you know? Yeah. So I wonder not, if not I was a, like, a, I wonder if I was a hangry kid. I don't know. Well, have you to have to ask your parents. And I'm going right? to have you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm going to quickly go over one more analogy thing. And then I think that will really give everybody a good understanding of sensory. So, so sensory processing, um, that sensory processing, that's all the senses that our receptors in our body have to get fired. And then they go up nerves or pathways to the brain and then the brain, the old brain survival brain has to determine if it's a threat and if it's not a threat then it goes up to the frontal kind of thinking Mm -hmm. part of your brain not just the thinking part but your neocortex or your motor cortex as well right um and then we act um on that in a in a thought process if it doesn't go all the way up here then we act and react Mm -hmm. in fight flight fight freeze okay hanger so that's really important that, that basic thing. Now I'm going to use, um, so a lot of people use what we call like a cup analogy. Okay. So we'll say, okay, well, like think of this as your sensory cup for the day of all the sensory information coming into your body. So think of all those, you know, eight areas of bombarding of sensory information coming in and it's come, you know, lots of stuff going in there. And then, you know, it kind of like too many things go in there. I'm just throwing whatever's in my desk in here, um, you know? And then eventually um, as the day goes on, it's just been too much stuff that goes in there and I can't fit anymore. And it starts overflowing out the top and you have like explosion, right? Mm-hmm. Or a meltdown or something that, that triggers that fight flight thing. Mm-hmm. So I, that is one way people have talked about it. And I like to even think of it a little bit more, more specific. So instead of using one cup, mm-hmm. which is always how I've talked mainly about it, is I'm going to use, guess how many cups? Eight. 
I almost said seven. I can't count. <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I'm going to use seven right now. Where's my eight cup? Oh, no. I'm missing an eight cup. Okay, it's just theory. It's yeah. theory. Hold There's on. eight cups there. There should be eight there. I just don't know how there to count go. the sentence. <laughs> there you go. That one's already eight. partially full. <laughs> there we go. We got eight cups now. Okay. And as you can see, yeah, my eight cups are all different sizes. I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna show this guy. You can see a happy face. Cute. Okay, so we've got all different sizes of our cups. So each of these are going to represent a different sensory system. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna use myself as an example. I have a pretty small cup for what I can tolerate or auditory information mm -hmm. is my little cup. It gets filled up pretty quickly, multiple times throughout the day. Right. I need to take little breaks so my, my uh, auditory system, my hearing can kind of recover. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If I am around lots of people and lots of noise all day long and then I come home and I hear lots of noise and arguing and TV's on and music's on, my head is echoing and I go into like, <clears throat> I'm not safe. Get me out of here. Mm -hmm. And so my cup overfloweth. Um, yep. And so you, I like to think of this as how we can think of our kids and our own selves. Because mm -hmm. number one, it's really, really important for parents to understand themselves first before, um, I mean, you can try to understand your kid, but first try to figure yourself out because you're your own body and your own brain. You right. are not your own, your kid's body and brain. So we're all just guessing with them. Mm -hmm. So again, look at, think of our systems and what things can we tolerate? Vestibular system, I can't tolerate very much of that. I get overstimulated pretty quickly with that or I get nauseous, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, I, I like, um, I, I, I don't have issues in the sense of um, with uh, proprioceptive stuff. So, you know, that things I, I like, pressure. I like touch. I like all that kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm a bit sensitive with some of my touch things. I wear certain fabrics and clothing because of the way it feels on my body. It feels really comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very tickly, you know, things like that. And for, for um, new moms, I'm going to say, like when they're always constantly like nursing or holding baby, like by the end of the day or week, they're like, I cannot like, please do not touch me. Like, like, I remember being like that. Like I cannot. Yeah. And, and, and so, so that's everyone's different be, there. Yeah. That's going to be your unique kind of cup analogy, right? Like, so if your tactile system is more down like here, and by the end of the day, you're just done. Like, you don't like, don't touch me, hubby. You know, I've been clung upon all yeah. day. But then there's families that moms you talk about that that does not bother them. It might be yeah. the noise that bothers them or right. it might be the busyness of the movement all over or the yeah. mess, visual mess everywhere, right? And so that might be more triggering to them in the vision part department. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like that's what is so amazingly interesting and neat is that our sensory processing is unique, unique, unique to us and um, to every single person. And then, like you said, Allie, you know, it depends also on our health mm -hmm. and our medical system underneath that. Like, you know, if that, did we sleep enough? Did we eat mm -hmm. enough? Did we have rest? Did we, 
is our um, is our you know hormones hormones in balance or not? Is our right like right is our iron yeah. right? All of that stuff's going to influence the size of your pop on a right. given day or hour. So basically for a parent to understand like their own cup situation, that yeah. once they have a child, they can start applying that to their child to notice like, okay, my child gets very agitated very quickly after a lot of noise. So then they can say like, hmm, maybe they have some problems with like auditory, like receiving auditory like yeah. feedback and okay so I really like that cup analogy though as soon yeah, as I saw too. your different sized cups I'm like I know what's coming I I understand like that tall black cup is my touch yeah <laughs> and so so you guys all know people out there who are touchy-feely people they yeah and you know and I mean I worked with a co-worker once who's like I just like to touch everyone I know and, yeah and, and be like mm. on people all the time and like <laughs> I was really thankful that she was very forward about saying that to mm -hmm. me because then then I knew that that's what she needed that's what her body needed yeah. and so think of some of our kids who who this might be their vestibular cup and this right. might be their proprioception cup they might have like three really big ones uh right, when yeah. they're little you know because they need to touch everything they need to crash into things they need yes. to you know, yeah. they need to jump and climb and, and move. And, and your cup as the adult for vestibular movement, a little maybe, maybe. I don't need to crash anymore. Yeah. No, right? <laughs> and so, so then it becomes like this, you know, parent and child or caregiver and child like disagreement, you know, in the sense of like, stop jumping and climbing. And this poor brain needs Mm -hmm. jumping and climbing it needs to be filled part way yeah. it can't right. be at the bottom it needs to get filled it doesn't need to be overflowing because then that causes you know the responses to happen right. but it needs to get enough um for that for that brain and that. and again how that is now like how my my sensory thing now is is generally fairly similarish to when i was little but dampened a lot more mm -hmm. you know um it's not so sensitive mm -hmm. and it's not so particular about things you know that that I might have been at when I was younger mm -hmm. so it's not that we want all our cups to be the same no that would make us all very boring exactly the same cookie cutter people because yeah. our sensory processing creates um an underlying um like personality in us right yeah it helps shape who we are and how we act and interact with our environment. What our emotions are like. Uh, do you wear your emotions on your sleeve or not on your sleeve? Those are the, you know, those are the kids that, you know, their cup overflows really quickly, lots. Mm -hmm. And and then it that's that's probably how they're always going to be. We don't want to change them into little zombies or the same yeah. as everyone else. Like we don't want to do that. We need to help them learn how to regulate and make themselves feel comfortable if they're not feeling comfortable and if they're firing all of the cortisol and adrenaline all the time it's not practical in certain situations right. for learning but it's okay if you're playing outside with your friends you can be firing away <laughs> that's, that's all great they need to be teaching this to kids like and like even to adults because like to understand that system is like like you said, like part of your personality and yeah. like, then you can learn to 
use those to actually make those adjustments for your life. Like, okay, maybe my auditory is like overloaded. Like now I need a tool to yeah. take it back mm-hmm. or yeah. like, but like the vestibular and stuff like that, like obviously get overlooked. Yeah. 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 I was doing a lot of this teaching for the last couple of years in the Edson area in a lot of classrooms. Um, in the older classrooms, young classrooms, like lots of that where we did um, interoception um, work, which Uh is basically you basically go through all your senses and you figure out how it makes your body react and feel inside. And um, it's really, really fabulous work and such, um, but I'm not um, employed in any of the school divisions anymore. So yeah, so the, the ones that I am working in still, then absolutely I do this work with um, them and I and I do a lot of this work with a lot of my private families that I work with as well because yeah. it is critical this is this is like our base information our base stuff base skills and that is where emotional regulation and motor development develop from yeah. so if we don't mm-hmm. have that then we can't have all of the other stuff like learning and communication and all that. right so, I would definitely I, I definitely think that people who have like just normal baseline like processing they wouldn't notice their senses they're not thinking about it right so like to talk about it to this depth someone who might be listening right now is probably thinking like I never even consider my senses I just like live day-to-day life like nobody actually sits back and reflects on their day and goes like how is my taste today like how (laughs) yeah you know what I mean? And so yeah. I find like, it's even now when we talk about this, I'm noticing too. So you say like different personalities, it's like built upon this too. And which is true because there are people who like, can't go throughout their day without listening to music. Like they always mm-hmm. have like an earbud in and they're constantly listening to music or then that would mean that they really enjoy having something to listen to all the time or there's people who are like constantly watching videos or like youtube and just have it even in the background or like the tv the tv is on at home just in the background because they enjoy like just having visual all the time yeah we're like i really enjoy darkness i could nap all day so (laughs) like i don't know what sense what sense is that (laughs) yeah and i'm the opposite i'm like open these (laughs) curtains it's too dark in here. So the sense of sight, right? Yeah. So um, a lower level of, of intense, lower intensity of brightness. Yeah. Brightness is, a, is one of the types of vision, right? Like there's mm-hmm. lots of things, parts of, of vision. So brightness is one. So I am light sensitive. Again, yeah. yeah. Bright, brightness and light sensitive. Hence, visual sensitivities to light yeah. right um is is how your brain processes that information other people would not find it um intrusive or you know bothersome it, it your brain finds it bothersome mm. and 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 it, it, you don't have control over that stuff it fires like we've said it fires if your brain finds it bothersome if your brain thinks that your body's in danger yeah, or is uncomfortable, it's just going to fire immediately, fight, fight, and fight. So what? So so what? Sometimes people will do is okay. I've worked all day. It's been really light and bright and busy and visually stimulating. I need to go home and I need to like either take a nap because yeah. then I'm boom, closed eyes, yeah. no visual stimuli for a while, and I can decompress. 
That's me. And so, you know, you know, kids um, that I work with who have, you know, visual processing differences, they'll often come home from school and they literally will crash, crash, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that and lights off, clothes off, right? So mm-hmm. lights off, clothes off, um, they'll go in a quiet space, right? Yeah. They want this diminished. Yep. They don't want yeah. all this stuff going to their brain yeah. because they need a break from it. They need their, their multiple cups are overflowing. Yeah. They need to let them come down again yeah. and reset. That's and definitely so, something I remember as a kid, like coming yeah. home from school and just like taking a nap. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some kids that is their saving grace and some kids yeah. just need to come um, downstairs and maybe play with some Lego or some really quiet thing or read a book or something, but just need their own space and their own thing for a while. And then they kind of join the family and then they're, boop, they're back, back yeah. at it again. Um, and, waking and just waking, you, just waking up hangry. <laughs> yeah. And just because you as the adult want to be like, oh, how was your day? And this, yeah. how was this? And they're like, oh, I'm full right now. Yeah. Oh, nothing. Fine. Goodbye. See you. And then they might chat with you later and you're like, why didn't right. you tell me when I asked you earlier? No, 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 no. no. They were full. They were full. Of them. Yeah. Right. Let them decompress. Mm-hmm. Let them do what they need to do for their body to feel better. Right. Because then we're respecting that they are actually noticing that they maybe can't tell you that, mm-hmm. but they're just innately doing it. They just know they're tired maybe. And yeah. then it's yeah. like, as or a, maybe they need a snack yeah. right away. I think yeah. without without understanding or knowing these things, a lot of people, like if your child is coming home and like just needing a nap or needing darkness or like alone time, a lot of people would like jump to really different conclusions, I think. Like, because yeah. my just thinking about it, my initial thing would just be like, oh my God, they must have had such a bad day or someone's bullying them or they're sick or, you know, like it goes straight to that when it's really just maybe... No, I just like my cup of like those senses is full and I need to just decompress. But like, we don't give kids like, cause to us, decompression is like an adult thing. Like, you know, and so when we see kids with like just reacting to that, you're kind of like, you're a child. Like, what do you possibly need to decompress? What are you stressed about right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot. They have a lot. This and, and this has nothing like we haven't even talked about the social demands right. the cognitive learning demands with memory right right the um needing to be like uh hold themselves so they don't you know the whole frontal part so needing to not blurt out and follow right. rules and um and have that impulse control all that kind of stuff those demands are all on top of all of this right so, so when yeah. we when we meet again what is next okay so we are going to talk about when things don't go so nice and smoothly right when it doesn't yeah. just all happen and okay. it works really well and we've got a good match between um the child and the caregiver and the environment and mm-hmm. it all works and everything's functioning fine mm-hmm. we are going to talk about when things don't work well okay. so when there's you know, could be some sensory processing differences that are causing um, actual impairments or problems with their, with them being able to manage right. their body in their environment. 
Amazing. Awesome. I'm excited. I honestly feel so smart right now. I know. (laughs) I feel like I just went to school. I know. I I honestly went to school in a long time, but I'm like, I just got a whole education lesson right now. And seriously, Anna, like every time you're on, it takes me back to like neuroscience class. Like Mm -hmm. it takes me back to university where I'm like, ooh, neuroscience. Like, tell me more. Let me like, and it's like (laughs) the words are popping up in my head. And I'm just like, these are so funny. Like they're just tucked away. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I love all that. I love that. It's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, uh, if you're interested in finding out more about Anna and the things she does locally, of course, you can find her on Facebook. Yeah, uh, Anna, Anna has a page. V-O-T, yep. Anna V-O-T. And <laughs> be like Victor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, or send us a message and we'll connect you, but we'll link her in the description. So Great. we will see you, you next time. Thank you, Anna. Thank Bye. You, Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.